All right, yielding. We've been talking about yielding. We're going to do this this week and probably finish it up next week. And I want to go ahead and start to kind of promote where I'm going next, and it is going to be dealing with rejection. Um, I really am probably going to want Cindy Dillon to come up here and give a brief testimony um, of her getting free of rejection. And we've, we've now gone through um, blessings and curses, and I believe we really got free uh, that night. If you were here that night that we prayed over, over every, everything that we might have tagging along in our life. We've been now looking at yielding, yielding to the Lord, yielding to the things that the Lord has given us, yielding to our rights, yielding to our way. And then we're going to go into um, the spirit of rejection. And if you've been coming on Sunday mornings, we're dealing with the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm telling you what, it is, this has been a complete life cleansing. I don't know if it's been that way for you, but it's been that way for me. And we're just getting started. You know, this, this coming Sunday, it's going to be marriage, God's view, God's view of marriage, God's view of divorce, and straight out of Jesus' teaching out of the Sermon on the Mount. So starting in, in um, two, I believe, two weeks from tonight, uh, we're going to start that, about, about a four-part st- series on rejection. So I would encourage you, come. Um, it's good. Uh, you'll be surprised how little things that's been said over you will attach to you and, and walk with you your whole life. Amen? Last week, we started looking um, at examples of yielding. Do you remember Solomon was talking, was talking to two women that came in and had, there were two ladies, both had babies. One baby, uh, the, the two ladies woke up, one of, the, one of the babies was dead, the other one was alive. They were both claiming the baby, and Solomon said, well, the only way to, to work this out is just to divide the baby in half just to kill the baby and to give each mom a, a piece. The mom that it was not her baby said, that's fine, give me my half. The mom that was the mother of the baby said, no, let the baby live, she can have it. That mama was willing to give it away. She, wanted that, she loved that baby so much that she would give it away. And in turn, Solomon in wisdom saw that that was her child and she received the child back. We saw last week about Abraham kind of disobediently, not kind of, but disobediently taking his dad and and his nephew with him, Lot, and his dad with him. When God said for him to leave and to take take his family with him and to leave, he took his dad and his nephew. But we also saw a couple times where Abraham yielded and God blessed him from yielding. Do you remember he yielded to Lot? He said, Lot, we're not getting along. Our guys aren't getting along. Just look out here and you pick which way you want to go. Do you want to go left? I'll go right. If you want to go right, I'll go left. I actually did that right according to your right and left. I'm sitting here thinking, which way is right? Anyway, and what did God say? Before Lot had even started walking off, God said, wait a minute. No, you look all the way around you. That's all going to be yours. In a, it was Abraham's right, but he gave in. Now, tonight we're going to look back at Abraham again. And can I tell you one thing that I have found and that I have learned is that faith is not a static condition. You know what static means? means it doesn't move. It's got no movement. Faith is, is not static. It doesn't sit on a church pew saying, I got it all when I walked the aisle. Have you ever heard that statement? There's nothing else for me to do. I'm good. I'm, I'm good in heaven because I walked the aisle and I prayed the sinner's prayer. No, that's the start 
Then you get up, you walk on, you start walking as a Christ follower. Faith is a walk which one step follows the next. And Abraham was called the father of all who believe, but we are only his children. We are only his children if we walk by faith. In Romans 4, it shows us the steps that he took. But that Abraham's faith was progressive. If you go from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 22, you will see progression. You will see that his faith walk was progressive. You know, God doesn't call you to part the waters at first. He calls you to do something small. He calls you to do something that you can do. And then that faith builds on faith. And then next thing you know, we can face these big things that are coming at us. But you will see that what Abraham started is not where Abraham finished. Abraham's faith came to a grand climax. But what he did in chapter 22, he never could have done in chapter 12. His faith came to this climax because every time God said, step, he stepped. Every time God gave him a challenge, he accepted. So he was progressive, his faith was progressively built up. James 2, verse 22 says, uh, oh no. Is there a newer one in there? I honestly may not have put that in there. It's all you got. All right, good. Get out your Bibles. And uh, Mr. Blake, ch- chase me around. James 2, 22. Find Hebrews, and you'll find James. If you find Revelation, you went too far. James 2.22 says, By works, by works, his faith was developed and made mature. By works, his faith was developed and made mature. Do you see that our faith becomes mature, mature by works of faith? Everybody say amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn with me to Proverbs 14.12. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting you ready. Faith is received as a gift, but it is matured by walking in steps of obedience. You want your faith to increase, you need to get in the Word, and you need to start walking out that Word, and your faith will increase. But Abraham was human like the rest of us. We have seen some of the mistakes that he's made. God had promised him a child. He had promised him a child of his own. An heir to take over his inheritance. But do you remember? In Abraham's mind, God's promise was late. Or he even started to wonder, is it even going to come? Remember, Abraham was an old man. Twelve years after the promise, he still had no baby. He had no heir. Sarah was 78 years old, and she viewed the situation as hopeless. Finally, she said, now catch this, she said, if we're ever going to have a baby, we'd better do something about it. She said, if we're ever going to have a child, we'd better do something about it. When we deal with God, those are some of the most disastrous words we could ever use. We'd better do something about it. But Abraham took his wife's advice, 
which was a mistake, right? <laughs> and, but, but wait a minute, but wait a minute. They had a child by, by Sarah's maid, Hagar. But I want you to know, it, there was nothing immoral about doing that in that day. In the world's eyes, in their culture, that wasn't abnormal. What made it abnormal is that God had made the promise and they took it into their own hands to try to make it happen. Do you see that? By the standards of the day, it was right, moral, and decent, but it wasn't the plan of God. And the name of the child was Ishmael. Later, Sarah had birth to her own child, Isaac, whom was God's plan. It was who God intended her to have all along. And for the last 4,000 years, there have been tension between the descendants of Isaac and Ishmael. That would be the Arabs and the Israelites. It is disastrous to grasp for a God-given inheritance by carnal means. I heard a preacher once say, the child of human expediency, the child of human expediency is an Ishmael. When you decide to do something, when you decide you'd better do something to help God, God help you. The things that we think are good, the things that we seem are right, but they are human attempts to do the right thing, will become some of our biggest disasters. Proverbs 14, 12. I'm sitting here trying to use this, thinking... I got anything. Uh, Blake, will you help me? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Have you ever been able to talk yourself into doing the wrong thing? You could justify it. It made sense, but it was wrong. God, keep us from those decisions. Keep me from them. Keep you from them. Keep all of us from ever going after an Ishmael because we will regret it. Churches can be built that way. Keep us from it, Lord. What's one of the biggest tests that God can ever put us through? Waiting. We stink at waiting. When God tells you to climb the mountain, you start climbing immediately. But when God tells you to sit at the bottom and wait, you can't do it. How many of you have a hard time sitting and waiting? You've gotten a word, but that word hasn't come forth. And you know, one of the most mature characters in the Bible is Moses. How did he mature? Forty years in the wilderness that should have taken 11 days? Can you imagine the patience? I mean, he's got people yelling at him at every turn. Where's the water? Where's the food? Where's the beef? That's what they were yelling. And they've got this wonderful 
sweet tasting bread every morning. Didn't have to work for it. Just go get it and get the right amount. Just obey and you'll be provided for. Your shoes won't wear out. Your clothes won't wear out. What else could you want? That's not enough. We want meat. Sounds like my son. Give me meat and give me a lot of it. Moses. Moses, it says that Moses was the meekest man on earth. Do you know who said that? Moses. (laughs) I love that. I think he was right on, but it's still kind of funny that he said it. Go read your Bible. It's in there. Moses didn't assert his rights. He stepped back and said, you remember when God said, I'm gonna, you're going to go lead the, the children of Israel out? Moses said, no, let somebody else do it. He didn't go and grab hold of that. He's like, nope, I, I speak funny. God, didn't you realize who I am? I talk funny. Let somebody else do it. I feel safe when I can say with all sincerity, let someone else have the baby. But when I'm nervous and tense and grasping, I'm headed for disaster. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Blake, if you'll just stay in Genesis 22, we're going to stay there for a minute. Chapter 22 in verse 2. God said to Abraham in verse 2, once he gets there, I think he'll be able to keep up with me the rest of the way. God said to Abraham in verse 2, to take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, what was, the ne- what was his response? The next verse in verse 3 says, And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. One of the things that you will see about Abraham is that he did not just merely obey God, but he obeyed God quickly. You know, if you wait, you'll talk yourself out of it. Or something will get in the way and keep you from doing it. He, when he was told to do something, he got up early the next morning and did, did it. He didn't wait around till noon, wondering if God might change his mind. Surely God didn't mean that. Let's wait another day. He didn't wait around. He got up next morning and went on his way with Isaac for a three-day journey to Mount Moriah. Then in Genesis 22, verse 7, Isaac, the son, says to him, My father, here's the fire. Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the offering? Isaac knew what they were going to do. They were going to sacrifice. He knew his father's ways. He knew his ways of worship. He knew what they were going to do, but he was computing. Now, he didn't think something was up. He's just like, wait a minute, Dad, you forgot your car keys. Wait a minute, Dad, you forgot the Cokes. We're going to eat up there, right? Where's the Coke? It's my son again. Where's the Coke? And I need about a two liter. Where's the, where's the lamb? And Abraham said in verse 8, My son, God will provide the lamb. 11th chapter of Hebrews, the writer, and I'm not going to go there, the writer tells us that it was by faith that Abraham was willing to offer his son to God and kill him, accounting that God was able to raise him up. Abraham said that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. 
This is out of his mouth before he had gone through with the act. This wasn't after the fact. This was before. And if you go back to Genesis 22 and read carefully, I want you to catch something here. I hope we have the right translation. Because look how Abraham reacted when he was going to tell his family, the people around him, that he was headed up up, uh, to worship, up to Mount Moriah. Genesis 22, verse 5. I want to say I've got the uh, New American Standard. Yes, this is good enough. Abraham said to the young men, no, 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 go back. Yeah, that's fine. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Now, have you ever caught this? He's the only one that knows what's been told to him. But he is already speaking in faith, knowing that either the child's going to die and God's going to raise him from the dead, or some miracle is going to happen. But Abraham's saying, me and Isaac are coming back. Not only, I, don't, I, I, I believe that there's more here than even that. I believe that not only did he believe, he believed he was coming back. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he completely trusted God. There was complete trust in what he said to these boys. He could have let it slip right here. Boys, this is bad. i got to tell somebody what I'm about to have to do. Nope. Me and my son are about to go worship. We're going to offer the sacrifice, and we will return to you. that, That gives me chill bumps. Abraham really believed that even if he thrust the knife into his son, both of them would come down again. He had come to the place where he was actually ready to kill the miracle child who was the only hope of his God-promised inheritance. Trusting God to bring him back again. Faith. Abraham is the father of the faith. And he had his knife up, had his child down, and ready to move. And the angel of God called to him from heaven and stopped him. And Abraham discovered that God indeed had provided an alternate sacrifice, a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And he offered that up in place of his son. After that, God spoke to him a second time in Genesis 22, verse 15. It said, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing, I will bless you. And multiply, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sands which are on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Now this is the blessing of Abraham. This last verse, I'm just going to throw this out just for free. When you're praying over your children, maybe you've got adult children, maybe you've got young children, whatever that is part of your seed. Your children are a part of your seed. And when you come up and you are walking in obedience to God, you have turned your heart to Him, you have come to the altar on behalf of your children. If you don't care, put that scripture back up. You have this scripture as a parent to stand up and say, My seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. That's a promise for a parent to pray over a child. How many of you need prayers for your children? My seed shall possess. That is the blessing of Abraham. And I, uh, uh, Galatians tells me I am a child of Abraham. 
I come under that blessing. I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. Exactly. Isaac was God's gift to Abraham and Sarah. They never could have had him apart from this miracle intervention of God. He was supernaturally born. Yet the very child that God had given them, God asked for. Asked for him to give back as a sacrifice. Have you ever tried to put yourself in the position of Abraham and just wonder what he was thinking walking up that mountain? Trying to reason with yourself and reason with God? Can you imagine the questions Abraham would ask? You know, I can just imagine Abraham saying, why God would you pick Isaac? Didn't you give Isaac to us? Isn't he the promised one? Isn't he the only way that we will ever receive our God-promised inheritance? Haven't we left everything? Didn't you tell me to leave and I left? Haven't I obeyed you at every turn? Why would you demand Isaac? But with even all those thoughts that we can come up with, Isaac trusted God. Um, Abraham trusted God with everything that he had. And do you know, from, from Abraham giving God Isaac, God multiplied Isaac to the millions. That seed that Abraham was willing to let die, God was able to multiply So many times God blesses us with gifts, with seeds, with things that we hang on to. And unless we're willing to let that go and go into the ground and die, it can never multiply. You know, if you want to hang on to your Isaac, you know what you're going to be left with? Isaac, and that's it. You can be left with that seed. Let's go to one more scripture. John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. Turn with me to that one if you don't mind. John chapter 12, verse 24. And I'll close here. Going a little bit late tonight. Most assuredly, or I like that one. Truly, truly, I say to you, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Have you ever seen a seed... Um, uh, a cross-section, what would you call it? Yeah, where, where they pull the dirt, they put a piece of glass up against the dirt and you can see the seed. Now the seed by itself will just remain one seed, dead, no life. But you put it in the ground, let God do his work on that seed, and that seed will split open and life will come out. And thousands of seeds will come from that one seed. But if you had left it a seed, it would have been worth nothing. Right? King James Version says a corn, a corn of wheat. And you know, so many times we apply this scripture to Christ, the death of Christ, and it's true. Jesus was the corn of wheat. He was willing to lay down his life. He, was, he fell to the ground and was buried. And out of his death and burial and resurrection, there came forth much fruit. But then as we start to look at ourself 
Each one of us holding in our hands a kernel of wheat that God has given us, a gift, our ministries, our talent, these precious things that God has given us. We can say, it's mine. I can do it. Leave me alone. I've got this. My gift, my job, my talent, the things that God has blessed me with. It's so nice to be able to hold it in your hand and feel protected, and it's mine. But God says, if you keep it there, that's all you'll have is a kernel of corn. If you keep it there, that's all you'll have. Something, uh, this may not apply at all, but as I look out there at at Nancy Dalton, had this dream of Avery Trace. And she could have done it on her own. But it would have never been what it is if she hadn't died and and let it go. Now, she still handles it, but look at how many kids and how many families are getting impacted by it. That's just one thing. And what's so great about what she's done is she has so put together a plan that even if she wasn't there, it could still happen. I don't know that. She's kind of got a good little thing going on with all all the communities. But she's so brought in the whole church. And it's such a smooth operating thing. But whenever, if we wanted to try to grab hold of that and say mine, you know what it would do? It would dry up. In fact, we're trying to look to to get it into other schools, let other schools be able to pick it up. It's too good. We can't say it's mine. What's the alternative? Let it go. Drop it. You mean let my ministry go, let my talent go, let my gift go? Yes, let it go and let it drop into the earth and get buried and lost. Let it get out of sight. After that, you won't own it any longer. Instead, God will be responsible for it and he has guaranteed the fruit. What does that mean? So many times we do things out of our own giftings, out of selfishness. And sometimes you need to recognize, is that out of selfishness? That needs to dry up and die. You know what the Word of God says about your gift? Your gift will make room for you. You don't have to go make your own room for your gift. But God, the church doesn't know I'm great at this. God will make that gift known. You don't have to. You go out here and try to make it known. You know what you're doing? You're you're creating an Ishmael. And we need an Isaac. Can you all follow that at all? God's not saying he wants you just to let your gifts go and never use them again. No, he gave them to you to do great things. But we've got to make sure that we get into God's plan to do those great things. Because either we're going to wind up with a little or we're going to affect things that we could have never affected on our own. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about your relationships. I'm talking about your giftings and your talents. I'm talking about your money. You can make a dollar and hang on to it your whole life. Still got my dollar. Good for you. Taxes. You better make some money on that dollar. It's going to get taken away from you. Sow it in the ground. Let it go. Drop it. Let God have it. Let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to show us our seeds. Show us our seeds. And Lord, do we just come against any type of selfishness? Any type of self, self, any type of self 
Lord, you can have it. Lord, we just ask for forgiveness for us possibly being inappropriate. But Lord, we just, we just ask you to forgive and to restore. You've been so good to us. You've been so good to us. Let us not have Ishmael's, Lord. Let us have Isaac's. We just pray that the spirit of Abraham, that the faith of Abraham would come over this church. And that, Lord, we would walk like Abraham walked. Not questioning. Not wavering, but walking in faith. And, Lord, he could just see, God, it's your problem. I'm going to obey you. And in my obedience, if I end up in a mess, Lord, I just trust you to get me out of it. Lord, let us walk in that kind of obedience and in that kind of trust. We just surrender. We just surrender our trust and our hope to you. Bless us, Lord. I just give you my talents, my gifts, my money. Lord, my family, my children. Lord, you're a lot better than I am at it. Thank you, Lord. Bless our church. Bless those that are here tonight. Those that are praying for a miracle. Lord, I just pray for a miracle in their life. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Sunday morning, 9-15, Sunday school, 10-30, church service.